Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey everybody, hope you're all doing well. My name is Steven and this is the Storytime channel. We've got some malicious compliance stories, so let's jump right into our first story of the day by F Torres81. Just work where you're scheduled to work. That's it. Say less, boss. Hi y'all, I currently work at a big box store that you'll probably be able to figure out fairly quickly by the end of this. There are only two main characters, myself and an assistant manager. Anyways, yesterday I was scheduled to work as a cashier, however my main thing is customer service. So on days that I'm scheduled to cashier, every once in a while, I'm most likely at the service desk anyways because there's never a closer for service desk. This has never been a problem and to be honest, some days I don't think managers ever even notice I was supposed to be on a register. So it was an extremely busy day, we had way too many people in the store and not enough cashiers, an assistant manager decided she'd take it upon herself to get the lines down, paging every cashier to the front, including some on lunch. Eventually I get paged to the front. It's 6pm and all the other service desk associates went home. I have a line and I'm getting it down, so I ignore the page with plans to let them know where I'm at after I get through the customers. Not two minutes go by when she goes through her list again. I start rushing and once I finished, I want to tell her I was at the service desk. Here's how that went down. Hey, I heard you paging me to the front, but I'm already here. I'm at the service desk. There's no one over there. I paged you 10 minutes ago. I need people on the registers. You're not supposed to be at the service desk right now. It's supposed to be. Both closers called off. There's no one there. That's why I went over there. No one sent you there? Well, no, but. Then you don't go there. You don't supervise yourself. We know what's going on. If we need you there, we'll put you there. Open register six and from now on, work where you're scheduled to work at and nothing else. Understood? Understood, I guess. Anyways, she did let me stay at the service desk, but not without continuing to complain about how I shouldn't go where I want and all that. It pissed me off, so I said freak it, I'll just do that from now on. Well guess what? Today I also had a cashier day and the first thing I did after clocking in was ask which register I should open. Pretty smooth, it's 1pm and the service desk has its associates. 5pm rolls around and this is where I know it's gonna get interesting because once again, the two closers called off. This happens too often, right now there's no attendance penalties due to recent events. I watched the last service desk associate for the day leave and I continued ringing people out. I was giddy with anticipation. The assistant manager was supervising the front end again and this time I did as she told me. I stayed at a register. Well it finally happened. The first customer. She rolls up to the service desk and looks around and waits. Then someone else rolls up behind her too. Now I'm watching waiting for the assistant manager to notice when the first lady decided to walk back and ask the nearest cashier, presumably, if there'd be someone to help her. I don't know what the cashier told her, but she walked back and waited again. There are now four customers in line for a unmanned desk. 
When the fifth person lined up is when she finally noticed and by then, people were already antsy. I saw her scrambling behind the desk and looking around and I didn't dare make eye contact, I just kept ringing people up. Well, she had to help the customers and not only that, but her pride was so much she didn't actually want to ask me for help. She closed the service desk today and by the end, she was angry as all heck and said she never wanted to cover customer service again. She closed it an hour early. Weak. Either she's not going to be able to make it long herself, or somebody's going to complain to somebody higher above her head that will probably get her in hot water. If this was you, would you rather let her flounder and make her own mistakes until it bubbled up into something that was so big that her job was just on the line altogether? Or do you think you'd be the person that would rather try and go above her head and contact somebody and explain how incapable this person is of doing their manager position? Let me know which of those two in the comments down below. This next story is by Aaron Bell, parent gets exactly what she wanted. So I used to work at a before and after care place as a site coordinator. Basically, I was in charge unless my boss was there. We had so many entitled parents who never thought their precious little angels ever did anything bad. Let me preface this by saying I absolutely love working with kids. They are the best part of my job. But the worst part of my job is usually the parents, though there are some pretty amazing parents. Now, I worked there for about two years. There was this one kid who was in the first grade the first year I was there and was super sweet. Never got in trouble, always doing what we asked, etc. Well, the following year, he became friends with some of the older boys and started acting up a lot more. Like, basically every single day he would get in trouble and lose some time from his free time. Because there was usually so many of us working, about 5 every afternoon shift, a different teacher would catch him, take time away, and then tell his mom when she came to pick him up that he was rough housing. This happened every day for the first two weeks of school. We were well within our rights to write the kid up. Three write-ups and you could be removed from the program. But because we knew how he was from last year, and because it was usually a different teacher disciplining him, it never got to the point that any of us felt he needed to be written up. Until mom freaking complained. She set up a meeting with our director, my boss, and basically said, Those teachers are bullying my 8 year old son. Unless he is written up, I don't want to hear another thing about it. When my boss called me and told me, I was furious. First off, we had about 50 kids every afternoon. Why would five freaking grown adults want to bully your 8-year-old when we have 49 other kids to worry about? Second, why are you blaming us for what your son is doing? Obviously, the behavior isn't changing. Cue malicious compliance. So I got my co-workers together and they were furious at first. But then I said with a huge smile, so I don't want any of you bothering mom unless he gets written up. All of my coworkers smiled, knowing exactly what I wanted them to do. It took maybe 10 minutes for us to catch the kid roughhousing again. Immediately, we took away some time from his free time, sat him down, and did the write-up. The kid has to be there so that we can ask why they did it, explain why they're getting written up, yada yada. And the kid just starts crying. Now, I hate seeing kids cry, but at this point he had been being a little jerk, so he kind of deserved it. I signed off on the write-up, along with my co-worker, and my co-worker went right up to mom with it when she got there. 
Her face turned beet red as she glared at her son before signing it without another word and stormed out, him following along sheepishly. We laughed about it later and didn't have another issue with the boy. He went right back to being an actual angel. This is definitely an area where I think it's pretty difficult because you have this past history so you want to go lenient on them because you know how good they can be, but at the same time, in reality, it is picking favorites, it's giving preferential treatment, and you just kind of can't do that. In a way, you're almost letting them off the hook and almost rewarding them for having that bad behavior because they're not getting the reprimanding that they actually need to understand that whatever they're doing is wrong. Now, I'm not saying it has to be rude. I'm not saying it has to be aggressive. And honestly, it doesn't have to even be something where the kid has to cry. But there has to be some kind of clear-cut action put in place that helps the kid understand that you can't roughhouse the way he was roughhousing. Our next story is by Chris Prof 1991 Don't talk to me unless it makes sense. Okay. This is a story of malicious compliance with my entitled mother. Background. My mother is a narcissistic parent entitled to. However, she is a passive entitled parent. She thinks she is owed everything but does not say it out loud. Except to us, of course. She feels that if she does not have the things she is entitled to, it's because everybody is mean and out to get her. That's the way we were raised. I grew up different than her. Even though I, 29-year-old female, still live at home along with my sister, 35, we managed to bear our mom a little more since we realized she was narcissistic and that most of the things she blamed us for was actually her fault. No need to try and get her proud of us, she is incapable of that. I'm in the acceptance stage. My sister is still in the angry phase. Another essential element, my mother is on the everything is a matter of luck team and I'm on if you don't work hard for something, you won't get it team. We are very different. She is conservative, women should not work nor go to university, get married and have kids, religious, homoseptic, meaning she is not against the LGBTQA plus community, she just thinks we're all going through a phase that it does not last and discriminatory. I'm asexual, aromantic, child-free, self-partnered, I've got a master's degree, and I'm non-binary. To her, except for the master's degree, everything is just a phase. I haven't met the right guy yet. So basically, each time we have a conversation about politics, health, religion, or even TV series, I will say something that will shock her, and she will end the conversation by saying, I never understand what you're saying. Code for, I strongly disagree. Okay. A few months ago, we were having one of those conversations. She got furious when I talked about a TV series that I like. In that stage, a gay man in a high position of power without putting the emphasis on the fact that he was gay and that I liked the idea that him being gay was anecdotal and not an integral part of his character. Basically, the character was present for like 10 episodes before he is seen in his office eating a burger and facing the puzzled looks on his colleagues' faces, says something like, What? My husband had decided that we would eat healthy at home. And I liked that. My mom got upset and told me the customary sentence. I never understand you. What you say does not make sense. But this time she added, Don't talk to me unless it makes sense. Okay. I haven't had a conversation with my mother for about six months. We live together. We still speak to each other. Hello, good night, do you have an appointment? But we no longer have conversations. 
Yesterday, she asked me about it, and I told her, You told me not to talk to you unless I was going to make sense, but I never do for you, so I guess we cannot talk anymore. I said this in an innocent tone. She just answered, I guess you're right. The crazy thing is, I actually feel relieved not to have conversations with her anymore. I always felt like I was on trial or something. I actually think this outcome is kind of good for OP, like it sucks that they can't have a good conversation with their mother, but I think I've experienced enough of a similar situation that I know that if I didn't have to deal with that situation and have those conversations that are just stressful, annoying, and kind of put your spirits down, it would be for the best. And like OP said, it's just how it is. You can't really change somebody that's so stubborn. And judging by their totally cold response at the very end of the story, I think that kind of reinforces that it was a good decision OP made. This next story is by SF That's Me. Follow the cheer instructions. Saw this on my Facebook feed of one of the oldest World War II vets still alive. I thought this will fit in here. 75th anniversary of Victory Over Japan Day in lighter vein. As an 18-year-old Navy midshipman of the Burma RNVR Naval Force, nicknamed Churchill's Pocket Navy, I fondly remember how we joyously celebrated this historic event on the 15th of August 1945, when our war against fanatical fascist Japan officially ended. Allied Supreme Commander of Southeast Asia, the late Admiral Lord Louis Mountbatten, who meticulously loved ceremonies, had organized a fleet review of the East Indies fleet. Arakan Coastal Force's fair-mild ML flotillas, which were moored in two columns of buoys in the Rangoon Harbor. At the appointed hour, his lordship aboard an FMB, fast motorboat, would steam past the two lines of MLs from four navies while the ship companies led by their commanding officers and lined up on deck were expected to cheer their supreme commander. A few days before the review, all COs received copies of important naval message from the admiral's overzealous senior staff officer explicitly instructing how to cheer his superior worded something like this. Quote, Supreme Commander's Fleet Review on 151400FG all Fairmile COs should in all respects be ready to cheer his lordship by lining up their crew facing inboard and dressed in rig of the day number 13 for officers and white negative tops for ratings. Naval jargon for no shirts, bare chest. His lordship will ride past in his barge, FMB, on course 270 degrees at approximately 1400 along the center line of the buoys. On passing of the Admiral's Barge, each CO of ML shall loudly sing out three cheers for his lordship, hip hip, while holding his cap firmly in his fully stretched hand overhead and waving 360 degrees in a clockwise direction three times. Ship's company, while standing to attention, shall in response to their CO's greeting sing out all together, hooray, not hurrah, and at the same time hold out their caps and wave 360 degrees in clockwise direction." Unquote. Then came the VIP day H hour as anticipated on the dot. We had been standing on the deck in the sun for quite a while and were getting bored. Our Scottish CO, who was well known for his rather wry sense of humor, had carefully rehearsed his nine COs of Burma Flotilla how to act for the occasion. As the VIP barge passed by, each commanding officer hailed out, three cheers for his lordship, hip hip. Half of the crew loudly responded, hooray, and the other half cheerfully followed shouting in response, 
not hurrah, three times as directed. Our senior officer of the flotilla immediately received a signal to report to Admiral Chiefs of Staff next morning. We heard that we had incurred the displeasure of his lordship and our SO got a good dressing down, but missed a court-martial because we were happily celebrating VJ Day with unofficial splice the main brace, extra tot of rum ration, and a majority of the volunteer force were Burmese, unfamiliar with British style of cheering. We had strictly followed the detailed instructions we received word for word. Hip hip hooray, not hurrah. I feel like if you wrote it out, it should have probably been clear enough that you should have said hooray and you wouldn't have to have included not hurrah and you would have avoided the whole mess, but uh, it's, you know, 75 years in the past. What does it matter? Joke or not, if it was just the Burmese being unfamiliar with the British style of cheering or if it was malicious compliance, it's pretty funny either way you look at it. And our final story of the day is by Oddgenator, Bus Driver Hates Sodas. So obligatory, this happened many years ago. So I'm a freshman in high school, I ride the bus home and my bus is the first bus in line to leave, always. Typically you have about 30 minutes between school letting out and the bus is leaving, but since mine was the first, it was more like 20 minutes. Freshman year is also when a cafe opened across the street from school. If my friends and I ran, we could buy a soda at the cafe and drink it on the bus ride home. This was not against the rules and yes, I checked the handbook. I always do. I was also never the last person to board the bus, nor did I ever delay the departure of the bus. I also never spilled or dropped my soda. Now, my bus driver was a delightful woman. I'd had many negative encounters with her already, so I'd lost my respect for her, but I was a stickler for rules. Bus driver began to get what I could only assume to be jealous of the fact that there was no rules against me going off campus after school was out to grab a soda for the bus. So one day, as I'm boarding the bus with my daily soda, bus driver grabs me, yes, I mean literally grabs my arm. LP, no more of this. I don't want you to go anywhere except straight to the bus after school because I don't want to have to wait for you. It's not against the rules, though. It is now. It's against my rules. Straight here tomorrow. Okay, Mrs. Bus Driver. Goes to my seat. Malicious compliance begins here. You see, it was me and my friends who went to the cafe. And my friends had no issue with their bus drivers for getting sodas. And this was back when we all carried cash. So I just sent my friend across the street to grab me a soda while I sat on my bus. I'm a stickler for rules, remember? I have them handed to me through the window and bam, I have my soda without having to cross the street to get it. This, however, did not fly with the bus driver. As I'm getting off at my stop, she grabs me again. OP, I said no more sodas on the bus. No ma'am, you said I couldn't go anywhere but straight to the bus after school, so I had my friend bring it to me instead. You know what I meant, no more sodas on the bus, understand? Yes ma'am. Day 3 is almost a complete repeat of day 2, but instead I have my friend bring me an iced tea, because it is technically not a soda. I even took the lid off and showed her as I was getting off the bus, but this did not fly with my bus driver. I don't remember much of this interaction because 1. I was a teen and 2. I was getting bored of fighting with her. And it's a good thing too because that evening she called my mother and informed her of my antics. 
I didn't get in trouble because, thankfully, mom saw my side of things and thought I was a smart butt, but also funny. But we agreed I should stop before I get kicked off the bus. I don't know where this is or what time period this is, but this is way different than any school experience I ever had, that's for sure. You'd be able to get away with bringing a lid drink on the bus if you were in like a culinary program or something like that, but I would imagine a lot of bus drivers in my day would be pretty strict on that kind of thing, and not only that, you could absolutely not leave campus at all. So definitely a sign of a different time or a different location. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today, so if you have a favorite story of the day, let me know which one and why in the comments down below. But besides that, if you enjoyed the video, please consider giving it a like and subscribe if you haven't. And make sure to click the bell to turn notifications on too so you'll never miss an upcoming video. No matter what you did, whether it was liking, commenting, subscribing, thank you for supporting me right here on the Storytime channel. It all helps the channel grow immensely, so thank you so very much for supporting me. I hope you all have a wonderful day, and until next time, I'll be reading even more stories to share with you guys right here on the Storytime channel. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.